Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. And my name is Jeremy. We are here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 228, the April 1988 issue on sale December 15th of 1987, cover price of 75 cents. This one's titled Deadly Games. Which is confusing to me because at the end of Fall of the Mutants, the uh, next issue was supposed to be a new beginning down under. This is our flashback episode of Danger Room, and a lot of the stuff we'll be covering will be flashbacks today. Yeah, th- this is uh, this. So when this originally came out, uh, I, I did I bought it off the shelf or off the comic book rack when it was brand new, and the cover completely confused me. Um, it made sense in, in some regard because the X-Men had died. Uh, but then when I started reading the issue, it made no sense. But as I look at this cover and, and I, I understand at my ripe old age of 42, what's going on on this cover. But when I was 12 or 13, um, I had no idea what was going on because the way this cover is constructed, you have Dazzler on the right hand side of the book. And that's pretty obvious. That is definitely Dazzler. Then in the middle, you have a guy with kind of curly hair with wings who looks like Warren Worthington's angel, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And then off to the left, you have, I had no idea who it was for the longest time, <laughs> because if you look at the top portion of him, whoever it is kind of looks like they have apocalypse lips, <laughs> but it's not apocalypse because it's not big enough to be apocalypse and he doesn't have tubes and stuff. Uh and then, you know, if you keep looking at his face, it looks like he's got clown makeup on. He looks like Pagliacci. <laughs> I don't know who that is. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, but it wouldn't be for, for a many, many years before I would realize and look down to his boots and I'd be like, oh, those are Wolverine's boots. Yeah, the costume gives it away. Eventually, but not right away, because the whole uh, front is done in black and white, other than, like, the background. It kind of looks like they're... I don't know, in a cathedral or something, and the Wolverine Dazzler and Angel, but it's not really Angel, it's just an Angel, uh, are in black and white. This is a conceptual cover. It is not a literal cover, um, which, which you know, makes sense, as your younger self may have taken it very literally and not, like, realized that... It is more of a representation of the issue and not what actually happens in the issue. Yeah, but I would even still disagree with that uh, in that if uh, whoever drew this cover, um, Rick Leonardi, if he would have drawn this angel character not looking like angel, like if he could have done anything else, like make, maybe made him bald or anything to not have him look like Warren Worthington, I would get the concept that we're mourning the loss. And in the context of this issue, Dazzler, but not Wolverine. Wolverine does not fit within this image, in my opinion. Rick Leonardi doesn't know who Angel is. He doesn't have time to read X Factor or those <laughs> old issues of X-Men. He's in the present, man. <laughs> it's a coincidence. Just, is it a coincidence or was he just like flipping through other artists' characters? And he's like, oh, this guy with wings is cool. He must be the Marvel angel who comes to take people away when they die. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyways, I'm not saying it's a bad cover. I'm just saying that it's it's uh, confusing. It's not a bad cover. It's a weird cover. It it doesn't it doesn't really fit with the past few covers or or I don't know the colors are very different than a lot of the recent covers and the the stark whiteness. The drawings are good, but. At the same time, Not a Wolverine. the Wolverine one, the Wolverine one is kind of bad. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And if you look at the angel's hands on Dazzler's thigh, they're huge. Well, who says what size an angel is? That's a good point. It's a fair point. He's also got buff muscles. It, that's Well, I mean, you've definitely seen Warren Worthington drawn with buff muscles. Before we dive into the issue, um, the... The Inferno Prologue, which you haven't received yet because we talked about this before we started recording, has a, a one-page, uh, I guess this was a page that was featured a uh, in Marvel Age Annual number three, and it's just a, it's just a nice little page featuring um, the New Mutants sitting at Xavier's mansion, kind of being upset about how all the X-Men are dead, Ileana's thinking about vengeance. Uh, everybody, of course, blames themselves as they do. It's what the New Mutants are these days. And it's also got a cutting over to uh, Mirror Island where Kitty and Nightcrawler are crying over some old photos of the team. Uh, she has two photos. She has one photo of the current team without Cyclops and then another photo of Cyclops, just Cyclops. It's kind of weird, but... <laughs> Maybe she always looked up to him like he was the original leader. I, I don't know. It's just strange. Um, and, uh, yeah, Nightcrawler and Kitty embrace, and, you know, she says it isn't fair, and he says we, we will bear this loss because to break would be to give our enemies the final victory, and that I shall never do. It's a, it's a nice little one-page thing that has more relevance to the last issue than the entirety of issue 228. <laughs> that's true but th this is a flashback issue uh yes so it is called deadly games it's scripted by chris claremont rick leonardi's the guest penciler terry austin is the guest inker bill ray's coloring tom Morzgowski's lettering and Ascenti's the editor tom defalco is the guest plotter and editor-in-chief did Tom DeFalco, no. I didn't even read that before, but did he, I can't remember, did he have anything to do with Dazzler? Like, was the comic book, like, was he uh, an assistant editor on that? I don't think he was a writer. Sure. I'm willing to say yes, okay. without any reference to the past or memory. <laughs> or doing any research whatsoever. <laughs> Let's just say that, yes, Tom DeFalco uh, was involved somehow in the run of Dazzler. Uh, Maybe he's also the guy who figured out how to get Gene Gray back into the marvel universe uh i don't remember no that wasn't him was it i don't know i don't remember who it was why not <laughs> <laughs> sure for the purposes of this everything was tom defalco's idea <laughs> <laughs> with no research in front of us uh, who who's can to, say yeah, and who's to tell us that we're wrong <laughs> so this is definitely a flash fa flashback episode uh issue anyways and it's Dazzler writing a letter to oz chase if you remember that name talking to about an adventure that she had with OZ Chase, which is like, hey, do you remember that time we did all this stuff? Let me just write a huge letter explaining everything that we did up until the moment that we got to you, and then I'm not going to narrate anymore. And then when we cut away from you, I'm going to narrate. And yeah, then I'm going to say, love, Allie. And that's basically I, the issue. <laughs> I, I also got that kind of strangeness that, yeah, she is basically telling him what happened. I mean, I guess the parts where he's not in the story... It's kind of interesting. Right. But then we get to the part where he's in the story, and it's just like, why are you writing this letter exactly. about things that I... It's like, like why, are you, why are you sending me a letter about the movie that we saw together? Exactly. So, yeah, if I'm OZ Chase, I'm like, oh, the stuff you told me about the danger, I'm super interesting. I didn't know that was what the X-Men did. Um, yes, I do know that we met for coffee. <laughs> I was there. Uh, anyways, yeah, so this takes place... 
I'm going to say somewhere after X-Men number 219. Um, there's really no uh, succinct um, integration point for the issue, but some of the references just kind of, for me, place it after that, but it doesn't really matter. Well, Dazzler definitely had a run-in with the Juggernaut. That's all That's all I, I picked up. Right. So that's like 217 and 18 is that run. Um, okay. I don't know why I picked 19 after 219. I guess it could have been between 18 and 19. Works for me. Um, whatever. It doesn't matter. Well, and they're, they're in Westchester, and I think that would kind of coincide with 219 because remember Havoc visited, and then they wiped his mind. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. In case you forgot about that. And he's not in this issue, so presumably it would have happened before that. P- potentially, or or maybe while Dazzler is in the danger room fighting these robots and stuff, um, Psylocke's upstairs mind-wiping uh, Havoc as, as this is occurring. Could be. Anyways, yeah, Dazzler is writing a letter to Ozzy about her trials and tribulations with the X-Men, starting with uh, her uh, exercises in the danger room and how Wolverine is hes tough on her. Yeah, Wolverine jumps into the session and kind of helps, but then kind of doesn't help. I'm not sure really what his point is. Basically, I can show up anytime I want and leave anytime I want. So <laughs> deal with it. He's doing a thing where he's like, look, I'm, pretend I'm not here. Like, you have to be able to survive on your own. You can't take anything for granted. This might be a test situation, but anything could be life and death. Why does he come through a hole in the danger room? It's (laughs) It's like a big hole in the wall, and it's not even near the floor. It's like up, like above everything. He does have to jump in. There's no ladder. There's no stairs. There's nothing. It's a very strange hole to have in the danger room. It's Well... The danger room is kind Where of... Where does it go? The danger room's kind of morphing into, like, the holodeck. So I feel like this hatchway could be anywhere. Where does it start? When the session ends, the floor is, you know, just back up where it's supposed to be. I don't know. Like, I picture there's a long tunnel that leads into this hole, and it goes in... It starts in the hangar. <laughs> who is that guy who was outside of... Remember there was a guy trapped in the ice outside of the mansion? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, that's that's all I remember too. That was that was X Men ninety five or something, wasn't it? That Cyclops bumped into. Yeah, it was just like out there going for a jog. Yeah, and he woke it up. Yeah, what what prompted that thought? Was there a danger room sequence in there? No, I'm just thinking that maybe Wolverine was like checking out that old tunnel. <laughs> oh. Where that guy came from, and he just like popped out in the danger room, and then he was like, oh, don't know how I got here. Guess I'll interrupt Desert's session. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give her some crap. This will be funny. I can't wait to tell Storm about that when she gets back from Africa. <laughs> <laughs> and Dazzler's like, I was a solo act long before I joined this turkey group. And for your information, I was a star. So she doesn't need this crap. Nope. But what she does need is a good shower. Oh, yeah. So she goes upstairs and Rogue meets her in the shower. As you do. <laughs> oh, I guess this is like a gym shower, so this is a public sort of thing. Yeah, Dazzle, or Rogue's probably done with her session, or actually it doesn't really make any sense because they kind of walk out of the shower room into the exercise room and then into like a waiting room where Psylocke is. <laughs> I, don't re- I don't really understand the layout of this, this gym, but... Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised there isn't a hole in the wall. <laughs> there is. You just can't see it. It's off panel. <laughs> That's how Psylocke got in. Dazzler's complaining about how hard Wolverine is on everybody, and Rogue's like, yeah, he was tough on me. Psylocke's like, yeah. 
We're all amateurs. Most of us are amateurs compared to him. Or uh, And then she's like, this is, in, this is intriguing. I wonder if it's something the X-Men should look into. And it's an article about a werewolf killer. Well, a guy reported to be a werewolf who is a killer. He's a werewolf so. killer. He's a werewolf slash killer. He doesn't run around killing werewolves. Yeah, he's a werewolf killer. Like, he, you know, a killer who's a werewolf. Werewolf killer. It's a terrible article. It's not very good. Uh, and Dazzler immediately is like, OZ Chase? No, the man? <laughs> Only too well, and he's no more a killer or a werewolf than I am. So this, where, this werewolf killer article is totally wrong. What do you mean? Well, he's neither werewolf nor killer. Well, only Dazzler knows that the person who wrote the article has no idea. And he's certainly no werewolf killer. No. And so she packs herself up to go on a solo mission, uh, which Wolverine does not really approve of because there's lot o headhunters on the prowl for X-Men scalps. There's one called Scalp Hunter. <laughs> As a matter of fact. Not sure why I didn't just say that. <laughs> Would have saved me a couple of words. <laughs> And Dazzler's like, yep, but Ozzy's a friend, so I got to go help him. Uh, nobody needs to help me. I'm out of here. It doesn't involve the X-Men. Well, tough. I'm the only one who's allowed to go off on missions that don't involve the X-Men. I feel like this second panel here on page six is where Sam Keith got his idea for how to draw Wolverine. <laughs> Big, stocky body, huge arms. Just bad drawings of Wolverine. <laughs> Sam Keith was like scouting all of the old X-Men for terrible pictures. Yeah, I mean, he improved on it and made it his own style, but I, I feel like this is the origin of Sam Keith art. Uh, this uh, this is a panel where uh, Roy Orbison, what's the guy's name? What? <laughs> I, I couldn't remember his name. Rick, uh, Rick Leonardi, not Roy Orbison. Um, he clearly is focusing on the, the Dazzler half of this panel. Mm-hmm. She's not a bad drawing. Mm-hmm. Wolverine's kind of phoned in. Yeah. Or he was working on some sort of a perspective thing. It didn't work out. And he's like, ah, I'm on a schedule. This panel's good. Like, like towards the middle, he kind of runs out of room in the panel, so he tries to squish everything into the panel. It's like you can have some things off of the panel and have your perspective work. It almost looks like he was trying to draw a left hand, and instead of drawing individual fingers, he just draw, drew one giant finger. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of a stump off of Wolverine's thumb. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's funny. Anyways... So she she catches a cab, she takes off. Um, Rogue and Wolverine talk about, ah, she's, Stazzler doesn't really want to be on this team, but she knows she has to, so she's got to go solo. Just like she did on the Juggernaut. Thought she'd learn from that, but she didn't. So you going to let her go off like that, boss? And he doesn't answer. Instead, we cut to a scene where two uh, local people from Pentonville, Florida, are getting ready to go pick up their daughter at the airport. We get a lot of backstory about these people. They're picking up their officer daughter. I guess maybe she she just came back from a from a war or something, or or maybe maybe she just got boot camp. Um, Come on. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe she just got like well, made into an officer, or maybe it was just boot camp. Who knows? If it's if she's an officer, it's probably more than boot camp. She must have uh, spent a few years in there, rose through the ranks a little bit. Doesn't necessarily mean she went off to a war. But, uh, yeah, a lot of backstory on this, only for somebody to steal his truck. And as he tries... Oh, is, is that what happens? Oh, man, I totally missed that. Yeah, they're having their... I just, I just thought some guy parked there. Nope. And the guy was like, hey, mister, you can't park there. <laughs> nope. They're going to go into town in the truck, and some guy jumps into the truck and is about to drive away, and 
Uh, as this guy tries to stop him, this other guy, who I guess is a mutant, uh, disintegrates him. Wow, that changes the whole perspective of this uh, page. And uh, the guy who's the father of the officer daughter and who gets disintegrated, his name was Thomas. I feel really bad about this. Like they give you, they give you, they give you a lot of detail into these people's lives, and it just makes you feel terrible. Do you want to know what the wife's name is? Um, well, I'm assuming this is like Thomas Kent, and she's Martha Kent. No, her name is Mother. Oh. <laughs> His name is Thomas, and her name is Mother. It's really weird. It's Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne. Who's who's the old man Kent in Superman? Oh, I don't know. Bob I, Kent? John Kent? I didn't read Superman. I think you're right. Jonathan Kent. I think, sure. I think you're good guess. Do you want to do you know do you want to know what the daughter's name is? Um Officer Daughter. Her name was Officer <laughs> Daughter. So she didn't go. She wasn't coming from the military at all. They they're just weirdos that named their kid Officer Daughter. <laughs> Meet your Officer Daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Anyways, so elsewhere in Miami, Dazzler gets off of a bus and she's talking about um, how tough it was to get to Florida and she's thinking about like when she used to perform and stuff and uh, Wolverine is already here. I was beginning to wonder if you had a show. So did, did Allison like take her personal money, catch a flight from Westchester, transfer in St. Paul make it to Miami, and Wolverine's like, I'm just going to take Blackbird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Could have saved her $700, but eh, she got to learn a lesson. <laughs> how much, using her, her stipend. How much do you think it costs to fly the Blackbird from Westchester to Florida? Um, I have no idea how much it is to gas up a Blackbird. An SR-71 and land it at an airport. Hey, if any of our fans know <laughs> anything about anything at all, really, about SR-71 Blackbirds, we'd love to know. Yes, we would. And Wolverine's like, uh, hey, darling, since when did I ever do as I was told? So this is a, this is one of your favorite capers. It's it's Wolverine and a lady sidekick. This um, has a lot of vibes. This this whole issue has a lot of vibes of the uh, of the first ten issues, maybe less than that, of the Wolverine um, series that is coming in a couple of years. So I wonder. I feel like Chris Claremont is getting this kind of this kind of roots of this type of caper that he's about to write in a bunch of issues of Wolverine. Does Chris Claremont write Wolverine for a little bit? He writes the first 10 issues. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, And I would say that the first eight issues kind of have this sort of espionage uh, kind of undercover uh, figuring stuff out. Low-key non-superhero stuff. Yeah, yeah. So they're chit-chatting. Um, Dazzler tells Wolverine all about uh, Ozzy's dog named Cerebus, which might be the werewolf uh, in question. And there's a man in the background who's reading a newspaper and then gets up and follows them. And I thought it was Ozzy Chase. At first I did too. Wolverine has booked them a room at the Bates Motel. <laughs> yeah, that was that's a weird... Why? Uh, I, I mean, know. I get it, but it also it makes me wonder. I want to know. Is this the Bates Motel? Is there a whole other side story flashback that we're not getting? You know, when I was a kid, we I stayed at the Bates Motel. But Which one? It, well, it was a Bates Motel in Michigan that was like like a like a motel, right? <laughs> like it, every room had a door. You know, like one of those strip motel things, mm-hmm. not a hotel. Like, well, well, that that's that's what the Bates Motel was. Well, there you go. But this was uh, there was no creepy house on the hill. No. Okay. Well, that that. Uh... 
that uh, that that house I think was a set that was built, and I think that set still exists, and they they've been using it for the Bates Motel show. I watched a video once about it, and a lot of the scenes are miniatures, uh, but there's one facade that actually exists on like I don't know Universal or Paramount or one of those lots, and it was also used as a house or the house in either the Munsters or the other show. Oh, I'm sure it was reused. It was, yeah, it was reused a lot of times. Because the same house is in the Bates Motel show from today. So like somehow yeah, it's lasted all this time. You could do that with digital effects. That's true. When it's but, up on the hill, the close-ups they could build as a set. But the interior is the same too. So yeah, it's like... It could be a sound stage, Adam. Come on, you know that. It could, but I mean, this is like, it's really impressive if they went to all that effort. I, I just feel like they wouldn't. Uh, from what I saw in this video, like there is no inside of the house. It's, it's a miniature and a facade and there is no inside. I'm sure. But there, there is, there is like, well, an interior, an interior set, which it it feels like the same interior set that they're using in the show. Although albeit a little bit dressed up to be modern, but you know, I don't know. Anyways, uh, Wolverine catches wind of the guy that's been following them. He excuses himself from Dazzler and he punches the guy out. Got a name, bub? And a reason for playing Shadow? The guy pulls a gun. Wolverine punches him out. I'm assuming that Wolverine came back and told Dazzler all this because then she wrote it in his letter to, or her letter to Ozzy Chase. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> they exchange notes later. As Dazzler's out and she's at the police uh, precinct or somewhere and uh, she's trying to get in to see Ozzy Chase, but they won't let him in, which she feels is probably illegal. And then she sneaks into the back lot where the impounded cars are and uh, inside of Ozzy Chase's car, or at least near it, she bumps into Cerberus. Yes. Not, not Cerebus. It's Cer- Cerberus. Cerberus, because Cerebus is an aardvark. I don't care. <laughs> Ozzy Chase's dog is named Cerberus. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> or is it Kerberus? Sure. Kerberus? It's Cerebro. Cerebrus. Cyberno. It's Cyberno. Cybernus. <laughs> and he jumps out all evilly and then lands on her and licks her all playfully. And she's like, how you doing, puppy? I missed you too. And then she writes in her letter, he and Wolvie hit it off tremendously, especially after Wolvie fed him a couple of choice of honest cigars. Your pooch, OZ, has very weird tastes. <laughs> and back to that uh, Dazzler stuff. If you've read those Dazzler issues, you're like, yeah, the dog eats cigars. And what are you and- going to do? about it and if you didn't read those issues you're just like weird (laughs) exactly so when i read this i was like none of this makes any sense why would the dog (laughs) eat a cigar (laughs) but nowadays you're like oh i get it (laughs) of course it makes perfect sense now so wolverine he's got a plan and that plan is to dump booze all over himself and get taken to jail and luckily he gets put in the same cell block as as you, OZ Chase, do you remember? I'm writing that in the letter. Wolverine was right next to you. Um, he he also points out the fact that the, the, the Russians are involved. Oh, right. Yep. Which is somewhat important because I feel like this is kind of Chris Claremont's reference to, hey, remember that Spider-Man-Wolverine crossover that I haven't mentioned once? Well, well this is my mention. Hmm. It, it really did happen. I didn't make that connection at all. I feel like it is because a couple times he says, back when I was in the ops, doing ops, 
I'll see if I can find one when we get to it. Dazzler does say that he he was a secret agent before becoming an X-Man. So he knows yeah. this kind of stuff. Which apparently, you know, once you're done being a secret agent, you tell everybody. Of course you do. It's in the files. So before Wolverine can introduce himself to OZ Chase, a couple of goons come in and start threatening OZ Chase. A couple of Russians. Mm-hmm. Although you wouldn't know it from their dialogue. There's no funny dialogue at all. We'll have to make it up. We are interested in your query. You are a loose end, Mr. Chase, and we are by nature a tidy people. What? And Wolverine. Pops his claws and cuts out of the jail cell. All right, I have a major problem with this. Okay. (laughs) Okay, it's not a major problem. It's just a minor problem. Um, If you're, let's let's say that like the 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 uh, the bars are made of bananas. Okay. Okay. And you've got a butter knife. Yep. And you're going to like swipe with your butter knife through all the bananas. It's still not going to be as easy as Wolverine makes it look with his thrusting through iron bars with his adamantium claws. This this is just like, I don't know. I, this, is, this is silly. I don't have a problem with that so much as the, I have a problem with how narrow he made the opening. I feel like, <laughs> well, I mean, he's he, only tuning it with his claws. Well, he could have ra- raised up his arms. Yeah, he, he could have made the opening a little bit wider because I feel like he's done this, but now he, he might get stuck as he tries to climb out of the hole that he's made. Well, he's a little guy. Yeah. And he's an expert at holes, as we learned earlier in the issue. Good point. Good point. Uh, yeah, so he has no trouble getting out of his his tiny hole, and he beats up some dudes, and uh, Dazzler narrates this whole thing for OZ. Remember that time when Wolverine busted out of the jail cell, and then and then you punched somebody, too, from your jail cell? From what I heard. <laughs> from what I heard, from, from what you told me that I'm telling you about. I wasn't actually there. <laughs> so Wolverine takes the uh, door off of OZ's cell and says, hey, I'm Wolverine. Who the so hell are you? why did he just take the door off his own cell? Wow. Why did he have to slice through the... Element of surprise. He wasn't expecting Russians to come here. He was expecting to maybe, you know, earn OZ's trust and befriend him and then talk about how to escape and then go meet Dazzler. But... I feel like, uh, like iron bars and adamantium claws would be more like you take a hacksaw to a tree. You gotta, like, do some back and forth. You feel like there'd have to be some sawing involved. Or even if it's like a freaking chainsaw, it takes a little bit of time to get through those things. And it would be pretty noisy. Well, you know, it's not a chainsaw. but <laughs> Well, no, but I mean, even the metal on metal scraping yeah, of his claws. Yeah, there would be like like a scraping noise. Yeah. Or even even if you were to slice through it the way that he did, there would be like at least a loud clink. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, uh, budgetary issues uh, have caused the uh, Miami police to put plastic <laughs> bars on there it could be aluminum could covered be. plastic bars <laughs> they're styrofoam uh and yeah they 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 covered them in plastic <laughs> they look strong but really all you need to do is just kind of you know slice through okay. the claws all right i can believe that so they meet up at the hotel uh we have a little reunion with dazzler and oz which is i don't know kind of lackluster and then um thankfully dazzler does not narrate as oz tells his bit of the backstory because <laughs> that would be really weird do you remember when you told us that story <laughs> well here's what you told us so oz was i don't know following up on some leads i don't even know what's happening here uh he was hired by hmm a judge he was hired by somebody that uh, to capture this guy who had possibly fled out of the state. Yeah. Uh, Except that it turns out that 
it was a little more complicated than that. And when he finally catches the guy who has a small army protected him, the guy turns around and uses powers. And then he's Zartan for one panel. And mm. then um, white light explodes from his hands and he thinks that he kills OZ Chase. But OZ Chase was wearing a bulletproof vest. So whereas uh, M- Mr. Mother got disintegrated, OZ just got knocked down. Thomas Mother. Thomas Mother. That's right. That's what his name was. So so their last name is Mother. So Mother's name is Mother Mother. Yeah. And there's Officer Daughter Mother. Officer Mother Daughter. <laughs> no, she was Officer Daughter Mother. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so they're done with the flashback, and Wolverine knows this guy. It's Vladimir Smirnovich Zaitsev. Zaitsev. Sure. He's a Russian. That's, that's, the, that's the only thing that I feel like I could possibly be pronouncing correctly. Zietsev. KGB when we tussled years ago. Wet work specialist. Mayhem. An assassination. I wish I was a specialist in mayhem. <laughs> you could be. <laughs> that would be... Uh, well, I, I want to get paid for it, too. I want to be sent to other countries and well, specialize in mayhem. You, uh, you know, you work your way up to that. You got to do a couple gigs for free. <laughs> specialist in ridiculousness. Working my way up to mayhem. I don't really care <laughs> about could, the assassination uh, part. I, I don't really need that on my conscience. I mean, sometimes we get people to get us uh, mixed drinks based on X-Men recipes. That's kind of that's kind of mayhem. You should put that on your resume. No, okay. Uh, so this has turned into a spy thing. It's not so much a Colombian drug dealer thing, but there's a mutant spy or something. Yeah, and this is this is when it really starts to feel like early issues of Wolverine. Um. So. Well, they, I don't know, they're trying to figure out what's going on, and that's when Henry Peter Gyrick knocks on the door and says, Hey, I'm the head of Mutant International Security. And we learn that when Wolverine worked for the Canadian Special Intelligence, Henry Peter Gyrick was his CIA liaison, so they, they know each other. Yes. And um, it turns out that Zietsev was... A did double agent for the KGB working for the U.S. government who, I guess, triple agented them and went to go hide out on his own. And I uh, fled to South America where he uh, dealt. He was in the drug trade for a while, but then he got sick of that. So he came back and he's been leaving a trail of bodies behind. And that's why they hired OZ Chase to go get him. But uh, now they're hiring Wolverine to go get him because that's the kind of thing the Wolverine does best. It's the best there is to what he does. Right. And uh, the the deal is this. Capture him. Bring him back. Um, he's got a federal deal. And even though he's killed a bunch of people, he's going to go free or be sent back to Russia or something. Doesn't feel well, like a no, fair he, deal, though. He's, he's going to work for the U.S. government, I think. It's like one of those, uh, what was that Tom Hanks movie? Catch Me If You Can. It's one of those deals. I never saw that movie. Although that, that guy never killed anybody. Okay. <laughs> Nor was he a drug runner. And really, his crimes were somewhat harmless. <laughs> he was a counterfeiter. It's a good movie. If you if you watch it, you should just watch the first 10 minutes just for the uh, the old school style animation. Well, maybe I did see it. I don't remember. It's got Tom Hanks. I remember some old timey animation or, or something starting off a movie. But I think I might get uh, that movie confused with the uh, 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 Leonardo DiCaprio movie where he was a Pan Am pilot. Phony. Yeah, that's the same movie. Oh, uh, okay. I totally yeah, saw Yeah, I was going to say, Leonardo DiCaprio is the, the guy that I was talking about, and oh. then Tom Hanks is the agent coming trying to catch him. Right, okay. I remember that so movie. So it's not really a Tom Hanks starring movie. I actually kind of like that movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. It's fun. It's whimsical. Yeah, 
I liked it. Um, it's based in a book. So Wolverine goes off uh, on a mission to find the guy. Dazzler's writing about how it was nice of Gyrick to drop the charges, even though he was probably the one that put the charges on you, OZ. And this whole Zets Viv thing, not happy about that. And uh, OZ is like learning about this for the first time. He's like, I've been on the run ever since then. Why didn't you ever tell me the charges were dropped? <laughs> Nobody told me that. <laughs> how could you assume? It's been three years. Um, and so, I don't know, oh, Wolverine was going to do this caper on his own, and OZ and Dazzler and Cerebus decided to tag along. We were beginning to wonder, Shorty, if you'd ever show! And Dazzler gets him back, and they're all like, ha you said that to me earlier. And Wolverine looks, like, like, surprised, and I feel like he would have been like, uh, Dazzler and OZ are here, and that cigar-chomping dog told them to stay behind. But I got heightened mutant senses. It's a very smelly woods. And okay. He's very focused. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, maybe he's just pretending. Like in the panel above that panel where he's surprised, I think he that's the panel where he realizes they're there. Ah. And he's kind of like got a kind of a, a sort of, ah, those guys. Those guys. And then, and then he's just sort of faking a, a shock and surprise like, oh, I didn't realize you were there. Oh, you guys got me. Well, as long as you're here, let's go find the guy. It's my birthday. <laughs> and so they do. Cerebrus. Cyberus. He takes off. <laughs> How would you find me? Cerberus. Flaming Bow Wow. <laughs> He's the sweetest little puppy. And then they hear gunshots, and um, I think it's Russians shooting at Zietsev, um, but then they forget he has powers, so they he easily beats them. Wolverine comes in, and uh, Zietsev says, So, Tovarich, we meet again. We know all about Tovarich, because Colossus says that all the time. By the White Wolf, says... No one in this issue. <laughs> For the first time. <laughs> uh, Wolverine and this guy, they fight. Uh, this guy's powers are able to make Wolverine's arm uh, limp for a little while. So he's unable to use uh, his right arm. You know, every time we sum up a fight with they fight, um, it reminds me of the Itchy and Scratchy show theme song. <laughs> fight, 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 fight. Itchy and Scratchy. That part? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's essentially what happens. Like They fight. <laughs> um, and so Wolverine, or, or Ozzy, Cerebus, and uh, Dazzler, they pop out, and Dazzler uses a dazzle strobe to disorient the guy before he can take anybody out. And he runs like a rabbit, and as usual, Wolverine figured I'd screwed up. Should have used your photon blast to deck him, Daz, or better yet, your laser to finish the job. He He's super uh, angry, and he's doing his zombie impression. <laughs> Arr, brains. I feel like Leonardo was like, this was his swan song panel. Like, this is going to be my Frank Miller. And so he draws him, and this is what we ended up with. It's, mm. it's not good. No, I think uh, towards the end of the issue, Lyric Leonardo is running out of steam. Like, the, the first half of this issue, the, the drawings were pretty good. I'd say... Up until up until the the page after Wolverine is shocked, then everything seems like he's running out of steam. So here's my challenge to the audience. Um, I think this panel will be featured uh, in in the post somewhere because it's it has to be. But the challenge is is to cut out Dazzler, cut out Oz, cut out the the um, the uh, dialogue boxes, put him in a bathroom, and now insert your own comment. 
Because <laughs> like wicked sushi last night, or uh, well, you can't put them. You can't. You can't. You know, you don't have to put them in a bathroom. I mean, that's that's Jeremy's suggestion. If you can put them in equally funny uh, situations, I like the bathroom thing, but I don't want them all to be in the bathroom. Uh, so that, and I think it's like Dazzler and OZ are, are pretty faded out. So I think it'd be pretty easy to to cut uh, Wolverine's just the foreground out with Photoshop or whatever your favorite image editing app is uh, and, and put him somewhere funny because I think, I think this is a, a good funny seed here. We're starting a new meme. <laughs> yes. From 1987, it's Wolverine. It's constipated or hey, as, whatever uh, you come up it, with. Uh, if, if you want to go back to the X-Men um, Africa one, what was that called? Life death? No, the one where Wolverine's eating a banana. If you, could put, <laughs> if you could put that one in there too, we can make a meme out of that as well. <laughs> um, but Dazzler and Ozzy had a plan, I guess. Well, yeah. Uh, well, do they? I don't know. It doesn't seem like they did. As um, usual, Wolvie figured I screwed up, but easy for him to say. I'm so afraid, Ozzy, that blah, blah, blah. Unfortunately, we weren't the only ones. I guess they didn't have a plan because... Yeah, they he, didn't have a plan. Dazzler screwed up. Yep. Yeah, okay. So uh, they get fired upon, I think, by... Oh, by the dude, right? Ziad Sev, yeah. Wait, where... In this third panel on page 21, where is the beam coming from that hits Dazzler in the head? Because Zitziviv is in the background, but this beam is coming from off panel. Well, oh, wait, there's a gunman the, back there. Yeah, if you look at the panel before that, there's Zietsev is in okay. between Wolverine and Dazzler, and there's a gunman gotcha. there as well. So the gunman fires at Dazzler, and Wolverine shouts, Daz, 9 o'clock! And she's able to dodge the bullet because of that. And then she figures that, like in the danger room, her opponent as soon as she jumps out of the way is going to shoot at her so she does a super jump aroundy flip across as Zietsev shoots at her um, and she manages to dazzle blast the uh the the gunman across the the panel that's a, it's a neat little panel yeah I, I, it's okay it's good wolverine slashes at Zietsev, but it doesn't really do any damage to him he he blasts I shouldn't say that. It does damage to him. He is cut, but he's able to, a ton of damage he's to, able to blast Wolverine away. He's hunched over, holding his guts in, but he turns around. Uh, he's bleeding out, and Cerebus, Cerebris, he takes, he kills him. Zietsev shouts for Gyrich, I hold you to your promise, American, come for me. But before I tell you a word I want, I insist, I demand, you have these three, the bounty man. The girl Wolverine executed, that is my prize garage, their lives for mine. And then Cerebus presumably bites his neck out. Uh, and garage isn't anywhere around. Yeah, I don't know. Like, he just assumes that because the Americans are there, that garage must also be around somewhere. Or, you know, he's also dying. So maybe he's just, he's just, it, Chris Claremont needs him to say that they're, the bargain is that they all die. Not sure why, but. I guess so that we don't like him. Well, then you get this, the, this. As though we were about to have sympathy for him. Well, then the dialogue is, I guess Cerebus, Cerebrus, <laughs> he considered that a pretty fair deal and took Zitziviv's life instead of their three. So they head back. They meet up with Gyrick and I guess a bunch of other government people. And they're like, whoops, sorry, we didn't bring him back alive. And Gyrick's like, Ugh, do you know what you've done to this country? And they say a few words. And uh, Dazzler is about to tell Guy Rich off, but Wolverine stops her. 
and hands her a card. I don't know what this. It's weird. Why does why does she? Where, what is this card? Where does he get the card? What card? Well, the panel where Wolverine's lighting a cigarette yeah. or a stogie. Dazzler is holding a card. Oh yeah. What is that? Uh. Wonderfully passionate stuff, Pure Civics 101, Wolverine. But Wolvie noted dryly my words would be failing on the death of his ears. I felt sorry. I don't have no idea what she's holding. Yeah, the captions have nothing to do with what she's holding. But she takes it out of her purse. This is my business card. You should give me a call sometime. I'm a <laughs> professional singer. Also, I think what you're doing is wrong. It's against the American civil liberties. Okay, gotta uh. go. <laughs> And also, so, like, Gyrick is with the federal government, and it looks like there's a bunch of other government people here. Like, there looks like there's a hundred people here in the background. Why wouldn't he be like, and there's a helicopter, too. Why wouldn't he be like, you're all under arrest. You're coming with me for treasonous behavior. Well, because Dazzler says, no, we're not. Dazzler doesn't say anything. She's about to say something, and Wolverine stops her. Well, she does, she does say Zayatsev was a drug-pushing murderer who's paid his price for his crimes, hardly my idea of harm, and a lot easier to with, live with than the fate you had planned for him, and then they leave. Yeah, but... And Guy Rich just stews, and he's like, ooh, you X-Men, I'll get you next time, and your silly dog, too. Five minutes later, he's like, oh, you know what I should have said? <laughs> <laughs> you're under arrest. No, you're the one. You're dumb. So they they head off into the, I don't know, sunrise, moonset, something. They head off to Ozzy's truck. Um, this time, bad guys pretended they were good, and the good guys got portrayed as bad. But things worked out in the end. And she finishes off her letter, and we find that Ozzy was reading this letter in a bar room. This is after now the events of Fall of the Mutants. And he's thinking to himself, I didn't know Dazzler was going to say all that. Wow. <laughs> she should have. <laughs> And one of the bartenders was like, good, no, bar patrons, like, good riddance. The world's better off without those muties. Because he's reading a paper that says X-Men killed, mutant songstress, dazzler among slain. Which I suppose is something that sure. they would say because Dazzler's probably the most famous mutant right now. Yeah, she's. A, I mean, she's a B-grade celebrity, but she's definitely a celebrity. She's, she's. There was practically almost a movie. Yeah. And so Dozy's in the corner with his booze and his dog and he pulls out his shotgun and says we're all gonna drink to the x-men right now this is not a hostage situation we're all friendly <laughs> to dazzler and the x-men the patrons shout to dazzler and the x-men is that right <laughs> right dazzler is how you pronounce it okay thanks and uh, so he puts up a picture of dazzler in his uh his sunblind thing whatever you call that thing where you put your keys when you're in a movie yeah Whatever that thing's called. I don't know what it's called. May you find peace uh, and world and the world you dreamed of, because folks, you more than earned it. An alley girl, sweet darling Dazzler, this one's for you. And he pops open a beer and drives down the street drunk <laughs> with, with his dog, dog in his lap. drinking a beer, because comic books in the 80s didn't care about moral values. There is a nice, uh, this this picture that he puts in his, whatever you call it, in his car, uh, is uh, is the same picture from the first page, which is nice. Oh, sure. Nice touch. Um, so, again, when I was a kid and I picked up this issue, I read it in about three minutes because I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> There's no superpowers where are the rest of the X-Men? They're supposed to have a new beginning down under. 
Who is this OZ? What's this dog doing? Hey, I know Henry Peter Gyrick, but he's not doing Henry Peter Gyricky things. How do comics work? <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was baffling. So I, it got read and promptly filed away in the box. And among subsequent rereadings, I think I generally skipped it because it's completely unnecessary for the storyline of the Uncanny X-Men. Now, I get it. Like, if you come from a Dazzler background and you're like, I wonder whatever happened to OZ? Well, boom, you're covered. Yeah. But I I don't know how many OZ Chase fans there were back in the 80s. I guess there was, probably there had to be a been. couple. There was at least Chris Claremont. Uh, it seems like Tom DeFalco was just like, we got to finish off the Dazzler story. Like, we kind of left people hanging with what's going on with OZ. Did Tom DeFalco write Dazzler? I Maybe he wrote like the last four issues or something. We're giving him credit for a lot of things today, I, I so don't he might as well be. I think he wrote Fall of the Mutants and Secret Wars. He definitely created the hole in the danger room. Yes, he did. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like, you know, uh, like uh, um, Steve Engelhart, remember he really had to finish off the Beast story and he kept just putting it into different places even though the main story was canceled. I just feel like some of these writers, uh, and it makes sense, right? They're just like, oh, I, this is, this, we got to do this somewhere. Where are we going to do this, you guys? Yeah, yeah. And Tom DeFalco being the assistant editor and I bet you Chris Claremont's kind of like, oh man, Excalibur and this whole thing we just did, I need a break. And Tom's like, I got an idea. And you know Chris Claremont, he loves referencing like these little things that happen. Oh, he probably loved it. It probably took him like five minutes to write because he's like, oh, <laughs> I don't have to, there's no continuity to deal with. Plus this will this be a good prep for me to write my Wolverine series in a couple years. Sure. Maybe maybe this was like the, the trial. Like Tom DeFalco is like, Hey, man, if you can pull off a decent Wolverine story in the pages of the X-Men, I think we got a series in the works. I, I, I think the Marvel Comics present where the Wolverine series kind of kicks off starts very shortly after this. So, well, we'll, we'll see. Does Rick Leonardi draw it? I, I don't know. <laughs> I've never read it, to be honest. I, I know of its existence. Hmm. Well, we got some – we got a – fan mail we got uh, fan mail from dustin habel he says please keep covering the additional material after the main issue this is sometimes my favorite part of the podcast and i found out some good stories i've missed along the way i never would have known how caliban came about his sushi t-shirt without it uh, granted some of these are one off character and terrible but that often adds sheer entertainment value to the podcast not sure how you're going to deal with the extra material when inferno comes around however it gets pretty out of hand keep up the good work yeah it gets pretty out of hand in the 90s, too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll play it by ear, and, and definitely uh, listener feedback on how to cover Inferno is certainly uh, more than welcome. But I, I just picked up the two-trade paperback, Inferno Part 1, Inferno Part 2, uh, not the extra stories. But it's it's kind of like one continuous story. So I almost feel like we just got to cover it like in order. Um, I, I just don't know that it would be like it'll take us a year and a half if we try to fit in all of the other areas of the Marvel universe that are touched by Inferno. Here's the thing is I don't think a lot of them feature the X-Men. I I disagree. <laughs> oh, okay. What do they all have like cameos of like It may not be the X-Men, but it may This be... is how it started and it's one page and then we just the whole rest of the thing is yeah, I think it's like the the main villains are kind of featured throughout, and then they reference like certain other characters. So it was sort of like all the the Fall of the Mutants uh, supplemental stuff, except 
far more. Oh, on steroids. Like, okay. I feel like each one of these summer events is like, let's try this. Now let's add this. Now, Inferno, I think they just go crazy. And I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, it'll be interesting to revisit it when we do, uh, because a few years back, well, actually probably seven or eight years ago, I did read the whole thing including all the additional material. Does it cover like the whole line of Marvel at the time or just most of it or? Almost all of the Marvel universe is touched hmm. in some way by Inferno. And well, it, may, deep. it may be like Thor fighting Loki, but there's like a demon thing happening in Manhattan. I don't remember if that's a specific thing, but they're doing their own things. But everything that's happening in Manhattan is happening to them too. Well, maybe we'll do one of those one-off episodes where we just cover non-X-Men issues. We'll see, but... I don't know. Put in your votes. If that sounds like a good idea, or if you have a better idea, uh, let us know. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, yeah, all open. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like uh, it sounds like the supplemental material is is here to stay. Uh, Apparently, it's everybody's favorite part. We're, gonna, we're actually going to stop covering the, regu- the main stuff. We're just going to be supplemental issues podcast from now on. I think it'll make the podcast just that much more interesting because it'll create a guessing game as to what's actually happening in the X-Men, Uncanny X-Men proper. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting, different, uh, much shorter. So you'll have more, far more time to catch up on the older episodes and um, much more time. You'll get a lot of time in your day back because I know you guys are all dedicated to uh, <laughs> yes. listening to our show over and over again. Like a new episode comes out, you probably listen to it five or six times. Well, we're going to compress that five or six down times down to like an hour. So it'll be great. Well, and, and not only that, uh, I think most of our listeners, they don't they don't put us on and like do their work at the same time or, or use us during their morning or evening commute. Oh, oh no. They take notes. Yeah. Well, I was saying that uh, they uh, just like we used to do in the mid 80s and early 90s when we would listen to our favorite stories on national public radio, they go into their living rooms and they turn off the lights and they press play and maybe have a little glass of wine and do nothing else while listening to our podcast. We are the modern-day NPR here at Danger Room. <laughs> so in that regard, you're going to get so much time back in your day. <laughs> <laughs> That's how people listen to podcasts, right? They stop their entire lives, sit on the couch, start a little fire in the fireplace. And... That's how I had to stop listening to podcasts. It was just taking up too much of my life. Yeah, and the firewood bill was through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it would be the middle of summer. I'm like, why am I making a fire in the fireplace? It's too hot. But this is what you do with a podcast, right? Exactly. Yeah. So anyways... There you go. You get that time back. So uh, let us know what you think about Inferno. Um, like, remember the, the Wolverine challenge out there? We'll, we'll give you that panel. You can cut it out and do do funny, horrible things to it. Uh, but contact us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Twitter us at Danger Room Go. Email is dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com. Go to iTunes or your Favorite podcast application, search up Danger Room. We should be the first and only one that pops up. You can also call us, 501-GET-X-MEN. That's 501-438-9636. And our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. And we're not quite over or done yet, anyways. We got... um, If you thought this was a filler issue, we've got more filler issues to cover. They're they're pretty much all filler issues. (laughs) Um, So Marvel Fanfare 38, uh, did you get a chance to read this? I thumbed through it. There were so many words, and it looked like nothing was happening that I didn't read it. Okay. Um, 
it's quick summary. It is a it is a flashback story to a evening when Dazzler is having a club. Uh, she 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 goes out to a club with Rogue and she performs, and uh, some famous guy named PJ James shows up at the club, and PJ James is hanging out with another rock star who is an up and comer named Makuto Suzuki. Uh, they all decide to go jam on stage because. It's possible that PJ James, who uh, I feel like is supposed to look like, um, oh crap, I forgot his name. <laughs> Rick Jim, James, Jimmy, Jimmy Page. Oh, um, is he, he's he, he he might have a mutant power where he is able to play any instrument amazingly well. Ah, uh, yes. Um, so they are jamming on stage, and then somebody holds up the uh the arena and says hey you guys got money and we want it and we especially want that rich guy on stage's money so they hold him hostage but before they hold him hostage dazzler gives him a big smooch and able and in order to uh absorb his powers or his talent i guess she says because she doesn't know if he's a mutant or not she, she speculates that he might be and then she starts jamming on the keyboard and dazzler absorbs the jamming on the keyboard uh audio power and blasts the bad guys and um that's it they save the day and hooray my question is why did rogue have to absorb his powers in order to make noise on the keyboard she could have just been like played some really loud notes like is is dazzler's power more powerful if she plays some sort of melody if it's rhythmic and melodic it it supercharges her powers it's it's in the marvel official marvel handbook to the universe that sounds like a total lie (laughs) Uh, yes it is pj james says boy uh we should we should totally jam sometime rogue i I really like i've always wanted to play a duet with myself because he recognizes his own style i guess (laughs) um x factor number 27 was a filler issue (laughs) <laughs> but it was an important filler issue. I mean, for a filler issue, it had some 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 things uh, that 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 were important that happened. Uh, most notably, you know, Cyclops and Jean—they're all in love and they're kissing all over the place until, uh oh, Cyclops sees Madeline on TV saying, "I love you, Scotty. Wherever you are, find our son and raise him." And then Forge—it's not just the TV though. It's one of those classic like nine grid TVs that you only see in like movies and stuff where like a, a store shop has just all these TVs in the window. It's like that scene in gremlins when stripe is on camera, but he's on all of the TVs. Exactly. You know, that's a great movie. That is a great movie. I even like the sequel. Yeah. We've talked about that before. But have we talked about the sequel? Yeah, the sequel's terrible. Oh, no, it's so good. It's funny. No. It's funny. They bring humor into the Gremlins universe. We've talked about this before. It's a weird Warner Brothers cartoon. Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) so when when Cyclops sees this, he freaks out, and and, then they go through, like, a forge casts a spell, turns the X-Men into stars, and they're dead. It's over. The X-Men are dead. And, and And Cyclops is like... Oh my God, my wife, she, she was alive, but now she's dead. And my son, why isn't my son with her? I got to find my son. Oh my God, Gina can't be with you right now. I got to go, which I guess <laughs> is, is not an abnormal response, but, but Gene's kind of like, oh man, I had him and now I don't. Oh, I'm so sad. <laughs> I mean, you gotta like, I get it. Right. And, and from a storytelling perspective, I, I kind of 
I do like the fact that Cyclops went through all of this torment. I mean, he kind of got uh, what was coming to him. He, he walked out on his family, paid the price, kind of went insane for a little bit, recoiled from it, figured, well, Madeline left me. It's my own fault. I got to deal with this. And he didn't immediately go to Gene. It took many issues for them to even hook back up. And the minute they hook back up, boom, Madeline back on TV. So, and his son is alive and now with Madeline. That's some crazy town. Yeah, man. So, so I get it. Gene's like, oh man, but she should really be like, I got to, I got to help him. And, and ultimately she does, but yeah, but her, she, she gets there. Her initial response is like, oh, I had him and now I don't have him. We also get some subplots about Beast continues to use his powers and keeps getting dumb. Boom, boom, thinks it's gross. Richter's like, you leave him alone. Um, they're on the ship. They're playing around with the ship. Beast Beast is dumb. He doesn't understand what these buttons do. Um, and we also learned that the children's hospital, or actually a lot of children were displaced and it's Christmas time and they don't have presents. Meanwhile, uh, Jean heads off and uh, she's like, you know what? I haven't told, it's been like two years now. I haven't told my parents that I'm alive. I should probably go do that. I can't believe it's been two years. I'm just making that up. It's been a, an <laughs> amount of time. Well, it, it, it was a surprising amount of time. Yeah. Like I, when I saw the amount of time, I was like, really? Wow. <laughs> so she goes to her parents' house. Her parents are surprised. They, they catch up. But then Jean realizes, I can't be here. I'm endangering you. Everybody that the mutants get near, uh, they die. So I got to go away. Uh, but it turns out her sister, um, who we saw Wolverine and Storm attempt to visit, whose house was blown up. Actually, I think Cyclops and Jean went there and the house blew up while they were there, right? Right. And then Wolverine and Storm showed up later. Right. And that's when Wolverine went crazy. First time Wolverine went crazy. Uh, I can't remember her name. It's Sarah. Uh, Sarah. And she's still alive. Uh, um, sister. Sister Gray. Sister. Sister Officer Gray. <laughs> um. So a bunch of charities, for some reason, got a whole bunch of presents, and they're bringing them to Dazzler. Oh, it's because Trish Tilby wrote an article saying that X-Factor are heroes. One of them was so heroic that in using all of his power, he slowly lost his intellect, referring to Beast, who takes well, that. Well, she, she doesn't just, she, she refers to Beast. She's oh. like, she says who he is. I don't know if she says Hank McCoy, but she definitely says Beast. He he takes and, great offense to that, which is kind of silly because nobody knows who he is. <laughs> and she, yeah, and she says something about like I don't remember what she called misfit children or ragamuffin children or I, I, she, the kids are kind of insulted too. But I guess the entire city of Manhattan took sympathy on them and just sent truckloads of presents. But Leech gets sad because he thinks about the hospital with all the children who don't have gifts. So because they, they drove by it earlier, that that's an important point. They were yeah. going on ice slides and they drove past the hospital and all the kids waved but they didn't have presents because those they were displaced during the events of the apocalypse battle so the kids load up all of the toys and presents onto a sleigh and they're going to play santa claus uh and they get held up it's not very interesting uh gene gray saves the day she wants to be mad at the kids but the kids are like, we wanted to give these toys and presents to the children who don't have anything. And she's like, you guys are the greatest. I can't be mad at you. <laughs> so Beast plays Santa Claus and they deliver all these presents. And Cyclops shows up and Gene goes and gives him a big embrace. But he's like, I'm leaving. I came to tell you that I'm leaving for the airport now. I need to find my son. And meanwhile, throughout the majority of this issue, uh, the ship has been 
I don't know, reforming itself or repairing itself or something. It's not really clear. We get these widescreen panels of zipped, click, snap, thip, 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 thip. Uh, and at the very end, you see Apocalypse and his three horsemen cheering the big giant video screen of wherever they are saying, uh, my plan is coming to fruition. The ship is doing something and it'll be the thing that destroys them all. Merry Christmas, <laughs> X Factor. Maybe your last. Again, it just kind of feels like the writer's like, yeah, <laughs> let's let's make Apocalypse the mastermind. This all makes sense. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, that's uh, X Factor. Some some fairly important stuff there. Did you see the uh, Key and Peel sketch where uh, they uh, the the Gremlins two sketch? No. Oh, you gotta after after this, <laughs> you gotta you gotta go to YouTube and you gotta type in Key and Peel Gremlins two and and be ready for the hilarity. I will put my laughing face on. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good face to have. Uh, New Mutants number 63, I gotta say, I I really like the cover. And at It's first, a pretty kick-butt cover. I was like, wow, is this going to be like a Barbarella spoof? Be- mm, no, no, no. But, but it's not. <laughs> uh, it's misleading, though, because the woman in this cover, to me, looks like Kitty. It's totally Kitty. With Lockheed, and she's got... She's got a bubble space helmet and she's got, she's got like the Barbarella. I mean, uh, I think Barbarella had like see-through boob covers. These are like metal boob covers. No, this is not like, uh, this might be more like Barbarella, the comic book Barbarella, but definitely not the, the movie Barbarella. Right. I guess the design reminded me immediately of Barbarella, but it's not like sexy see-through or anything. It's kind of like a a heavy metal sort of sci-fi thing. Yeah, I could see this on the cover of Heavy Metal as a, like a sci-fi yeah. adventure. And she's holding like this cool 50s-style sci-fi gun. Uh, and then, then you read the issue, and I was baffled. <laughs> Maybe you can illuminate me. Well, the first thing you got to know is this whole issue is a dream. I gathered so... that. Like everything <laughs> is a dream? Everything except for the very last panel. Okay. So it opens up with Kitty back in uh, – at the at the at the mansion and uh that's your first clue that it's a dream right and your second clue is when they phase through the floor and there's colossus and she says to herself so peter wasn't dead he was just himself so that's your second clue oh and then within the dream she tells a story about how she got the space outfit from the cover it has to do going all the way back to issue 21 where they first met warlock apparently warlock got some stuff on her arm uh what is it what do you call that stuff the transmode virus thank you (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome i'm i'm like the editor in a marvel comic book just pretend i'm a little yellow box on the top with an asterisk next to it that's very handy uh (laughs) transmode virus asterisk jovial jerry jeremy (laughs) um so she she teleports over to limbo uh to try to figure out how to get rid of the transmode virus. She ends up sending it to one of her uh, minions who tries to overtake her. And she decides that she's got to chop off her arm. And when she attempts to do that, but ends up uh, waking up. So it's a dream within a dream now. Ooh, it's like pre-inception. I guess we don't really know that it's a dream within a dream at this point. Although Colossus was alive. So you kind of know it. Um, you know something's wrong. And, and anyway, she wakes up and she's in Kitty's room and all the X-Men are there, including Colossus and Nightcrawler and Kitty. And Cyclops is on the team again. 
This is Storm, pre-Mohawk. They're all in their classic outfits. And uh, they don't recognize who she is. Uh, they got to go talk to the professor about what to do with her. Uh, Lockheed somehow gets through to this uh, other universe that she's in, and they they run away. The X-Men, just, uh, I guess Professor X told them to kill her, so they they go after her. Uh, she gets attacked by Wolverine in the jungle. Wolverine does not have claws. He instead uses a knife and gets taken out fairly easily by Eliana. I'm going to say that every one of these drawings of Wolverine are infinitely better than Rick, Rick Leonardi's drawings. They are uh, they're definitely more stylized. They've got some, some deep shadows going on, which I think really helps. Who's the artist on this? Uh, I think this is a fill-in artist. It's Bo Hampton and Joe Rubenstein. And honestly, I I really like the art in this issue. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, it feels like throwback. Yeah, it, it's it's very kind of it's it's heavy shading. Uh, it's and yeah, it does. It feels kind of like a uh, like a seventies comic. Yeah. Anyways, she easily bests Wolverine and Lockheed and Ilyana escape into a. Um, I, a spaceship, I guess. I'll just reveal it. It's eventually they realize it's a spaceship. They don't know what it is at first, but they get inside and discover ultimately the the, the outfit that she is telling the story about, which reminds you, in case you forgot, which I had, that she's telling a story. It's actually hard to track where she is in the story because of all of the Inception-esque transfers of time and space. Um, but the Brood Queen is there. That's kind of important. Yeah, she's there. And uh it turns out that the 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 this brood be it the queen or some somebody else uh, the last surviving member of the brood um was able to have some remnants of f- their last battle with the X-Men. They were able to save some eggs or something like that. And so she hatches these all new X-Men, but they're really just clones of the X-Men that they embedded uh, Brood into. And now this uh, this Brood is looking for a new host for the Queen. Rich, initially, she thought it was Ilyana, decides maybe Lockheed's good enough because she couldn't capture Ilyana. Um, the X-Men overhear this whole story. Oh, here it is. I escaped with a cache of Queen eggs and tissue samples from the X-Men when they were our prisoners. It's kind of <laughs> whatever. silly, but whatever. It's a dream within a dream within a dream within a podcast. Ooh. Um, so the X-Men turn tail on her and – or not turn tail, but turn against the brood queen. And with Ilyana's help and Lockheed's help, they manage to burn her to a crisp. So there's no more brood. And Ilyana uh, takes the X-Men into limbo and using her soul sword slices the – brood out of all of them and then sends them off to the spaceship where they can go off into space and be happy happily ever after and then we cut back to her telling this story to kitty who then tries on the outfit and that's and then the very last panel uh iliana is in bed and kitty is no longer there and the costume is no longer there and she says there are all kinds of dreams nonsense dreams prophetic dreams Dreams where friends like Kitty helped to point the way. In my dream, Lockheed killed the monster, but it was me, my magic, that saved the X-Men. But here in in reality, my brother is dead. Well, Forge roams free, but I can kill that monster maybe if I dare. Oh, yeah, I I guess I forgot to mention. Uh, 
She realizes at some point that the brood is actually Forge. <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, so, yeah, this is kind of also, I guess that is the important thing in this issue. It's building in this uh, hatred for Forge from Ileana, which is, I believe, important in the next few issues of New Mutants. Yeah, I, I guess that would make sense. Uh, so, yeah, all in all, like, I, I generally don't read the New Mutants issues, but I thought this one was pretty good. Yeah, it, it, it you know, even though it was a dream, which is probably the the weakest uh, storytelling device ever, it, it was it was kind of it was kind of interesting. I, I like the sci-fi elements of it, uh, I guess. But and, definitely, like, we were talking about the definition of a filler issue every so often. Definitely a filler issue. Yes. So, this was the filler podcast. You can skip this one. We should do a filler podcast where we don't actually cover the X-Men. We just kind of, like, make up a different story. And somebody should take all of the stuff where we just, like, talk and then combine it into a podcast. Oh. And then we'll just call that filler. <laughs> yeah, edit those down into, like, 30-minute chunks, and then that could be, like, that. those should be our filler episodes. Absolutely. I was I, I actually had the the, the the similar idea as we started recording this that we should do like a, a filler episode where we just like talk. Maybe those are what our Star Wars episodes are. They're all filler. <laughs> yeah, I hear that we're gonna be doing less Star Wars podcasts. Oh well. Well, less frequent anyways. That's okay. That's probably okay. It's probably for the best. <laughs> okay, well anyways, uh I, I think this one's run its course. Um, so until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. Closed.